0: All right, last week we talked about discipleship pathway, meet with God daily, gather together weekly, live in community, and pursue the mission of Jesus together. This week we're talking about the leadership pipeline. Here's how I like to bring these two together, okay? Discipleship pathway is what we do, leadership pipeline is who we become. Okay, so the discipleship pathway, those are the things that we do. We meet with God daily. We gather together weekly. We live in community and we pursue the mission of Jesus together. When it comes to leadership pipeline, this is then who we become. It's the type of person that we become. We become a servant, we become a leader, we become a mentor, and we become a, re- a reproducer. Good job, guys. Thank you. We become a servant, we become a leader, we become a mentor, and we become a reproducer. One of Paul's last admonitions to a young Timothy right before his death as he's preparing to die and he's ushered in the next generation and they're leading the churches and Paul is writing letters. Here's what he says to a young Timothy. I love this. 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 2. He says, Timothy, my dear son, Be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will then be able to pass them on to others. In other words, he's saying, Timothy, develop a leadership pipeline. Develop a pipeline where you are taking what I've taught you and you are in turn teaching it to somebody else who will then teach other people about it and create a multiplication or a reproduction of what God is doing. Now, when we talk about leadership pipeline, and I'm going to go through all four and define them for you today, but the one thing I think we need to understand is why people don't make the turn. What keeps people from making the turn in the leadership pipeline? And uh, my mentor um, told me, he said, you know, most of the time, 99% of the time, young leaders aren't growing, not for lack of skill, not for lack of talent, but for the wrong values. He said there is a value shift that has to take place in order for us to go to the next level of leadership in the pipeline, whatever that means. So there is a value shift with us to become a servant. Then there is a value shift that we have to have to become a leader. And then there's a value shift that happens for us to become a mentor. And then lastly, there's a value shift that happens for us to become a reproducer. But something has to change in our values. I uh, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but the Chiefs won the Super Bowl last Sunday. <laughs> Do y'all know that? I mean, I know the Texans and Cowboys are a really big deal around here, but there's a new there's a new kingdom in town. It's called Chiefs Kingdom. They won, right? Uh, thank you. hey, and by the way, the only reason I'm saying something is because all of you who were texting and DMing me at halftime, like, oh oh, what are you boys gonna do? You're in big trouble. Who's laughing now, baby? <laughs> no, but I, I have a, a friend in the church who came up to me and uh, after the Super Bowl and I saw him during the week and he, started asking me. He said, so he started talking about the offseason and started talking about Pat Mahomes and then started talking to me about new contracts for wide receivers and who's leaving and all this stuff. And I just, I laughed and I said, man, I've got a confession to make. He said, what's that? And I said, the Super Bowl was the first Chiefs game I watched all year. <laughs> I mean, look, I love salt in the wound and right now the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl is salt in the wound to every Texan and Cowboys fan. But to be honest with you, and I told him this, and, and you could tell he was let down. He was like, man, I used to like my pastor. Now, I, now he's not even, he doesn't even watch football on Sundays. But we were talking, and I told him, I said, it's funny, uh, there was a day where I was in 17 fantasy football leagues, and I would get home after church, and I would order a pizza and a two liter, of Coke Zero, and I would drink pop, eat pizza, and watch football all day long, right? Uh, and then we had children, and all of a sudden, my TV was taken over with Bubble Guppies and Blaze and the Monster Machines and Miss Rachel, goodness, is she annoying, right? Parents, if you know, you know, right? Hello, little friends. You're like, no. No more Miss Rachel, somebody give Miss Rachel. But what happened was my values shifted because now I have children that are more important than sports and fantasy football and all of these things, so my attention to them changed because my values shifted. In the leadership pipeline, there are value shifts that have to take place in order for us to make the turn. How good do you think my marriage would be? How strong do you think my relationship with my kids would be? if I still went home on Sundays, got a two liter of Coke Zero and a large pizza and ignored them all day and watched football? Probably wouldn't be married. <laughs> I'd probably be in a little bit of trouble, right? Um, but your values change, and when your values change, you make a turn in the pipeline. Okay, let's jump in. Why don't we jump in? The first part of the leadership pipeline. The first stop that we make in our leadership pipeline as a church, we've talked about what we do, now let's talk about who we become. We become a servant. Jesus outlines this so clearly when Jesus is welcoming Peter, or people into first place, when he's welcoming people into leadership. Listen to what he says, Mark 9, verse 35. He sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him and said, whoever wants to be first. Who wants to be first? You could change first to greatest. It's been translated that way as well. Whoever wants to be greatest. Whoever wants to be first. Whoever wants to be the top dog must take last place and be a servant of everyone else. We talked about this last week. If you don't figure out followership, you'll never lead in healthy leadership. You can't figure out how to be a servant, you're never gonna be elevated to the place of being a leader. Mark 10, 42 through 45. So Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. In the kingdom of God, leadership is different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave to everyone else. Verse 45, here's our example. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. In Matthew 23, verse 11, Jesus said, The greatest among you must be a servant. John 12, 26, Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me, because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. John chapter 13, after Jesus took up the position of a servant and he washed his disciples' feet, this is what he had to say. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that is what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Jesus is saying the ticket to becoming great, the ticket to becoming first place, the ticket to becoming influential is first knowing how to become a servant. I heard somebody say one time, if you want to take up the title, first you got to pick up the towel. You got to be willing to shine some shoes and clean some feet if you ever want to have the big title. That's what Jesus modeled. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 2 says, so look at Apollos and me as mere servants of Christ who have been put in charge of explaining God's mysteries. Now, a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. Here is the value shift when it comes to being a servant. We have to realize my life is no longer about me. My life is about Jesus. That is the step, the first step into becoming a servant is laying down our lives, is saying my life is no longer about me. My life is about Jesus. My life is about what Jesus wants to do through me, and it's about what Jesus wants to do through me in my house, it's what Jesus wants to do through me in my marriage, in my children, in my work, in, my, in the break room, in any classroom, in the dorm. It is, it is my life is no longer mine. That's the value shift. Jocko Willenick, do you guys know who Jocko is? Of course you do. He is. Uh, a Navy SEAL, former Navy SEAL. He's a platoon commander. He is uh, absolute definition of masculinity. I mean, he's, just, he's got his jaw that's like, like a horse's jaw. He's this big muscular guy. And he talks a lot about discipline. Do you guys have that video that I sent you, Jan? Yeah? I think if you yeah? took okay. out the trash sometime. You're the boss, but you see that the trash is getting overfilled and you just grab it and take it out. Maybe in your mind you think you'd be losing respect, but you actually wouldn't be at all. In fact, everyone looks at you and goes, oh, he's a good guy. And you're working hard, and you still got to maintain the discipline. The more that you treat them with respect, the more they're going to respect you. They're going to know that you're not too high and mighty. (laughs) They're going to know that you're down to earth. When I was a platoon commander, tasking commander, I picked up brass. I cleaned the ranges with the boys. I would recommend that kind of attitude. It didn't make people think, oh, Jocko doesn't have anything better to do. They actually knew I had stuff to do. But what do I got to do? Pick up brass with the boys. Build the relationships. Set the example. They're going to respect you for it. I listened to the whole podcast, and after that, he, was, he continued on that same theme, and he said the number one thing that earned him the respect of incoming SEALs, he said these guys are macho, hard-headed, ready to kick down doors and fire machine guns, right? And he said the number one thing that earned his respect with them was not screaming in their face, was not forcing them to do more push-ups, was not taking them on 10-mile runs. He said the number one thing that earned their respect was picking up their brass after after they shot in other words learning what it means to be a servant if we will learn what it means to be a servant it will open doors for us in the kingdom like we could have never imagined but the value shift that we have to make is my life is not mine my life belongs to Jesus the second step in the leadership pipeline is to become a leader so you become a servant, and after you become a servant, you make a value shift to then become a leader. 1 Timothy 3, 8-13 through 13 says, In the same way, deacons must be well-respected and have integrity. They must not be heavy drinkers or dishonest with money. They must be committed to the mystery of the faith now revealed and must live with a clear conscience. Before they're appointed as deacons, let them be closely examined. If they pass the test, then let them serve as deacons. In the same way, their wives must be respected and must not slander others. They must exercise self-control and be faithful in everything they do. A deacon must be faithful to his wife, and he must manage his children and household well. Those who do well as deacons will be rewarded with respect from others and will have increased confidence in their faith in Christ Jesus. The word deacon is diakonosis in the Greek, and it literally means from the dirt. So he's saying we it is it is from the dirt is what it means and it became a term synonymous with servant leader. When they would say who will be the diaconosis? they're saying who's willing to get their hands dirty. Who's willing to pick up the dirt and do the work? And what's cool is this is the first time deacons were appointed in scriptures, Acts chapter 6, 1 through 4. It says, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complain about the Hebrew-speaking believers saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. Here's what you have. You have church leadership, and then you have a bunch of people who are complaining because somebody cut in line. That's not you, right? You're not mad when someone parks in your parking spot? You're not mad when someone sits in your seat, are you? You don't get frustrated about that stuff, do you? No, not church people. These guys are mad, right? They're upset. They're fighting about, oh, they cut in front of me, and they speak a different language than me, and I should be first, and they cut my wife off, and they were talking bad about me. And so here is what the leadership does. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. They said... We apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. Circle that word. He's saying not running a diakonia, not running a work of the dirt, not running something that is distracting us from what we've been called to. So the word there, diaconia, needs a diaconosis to do the work, right? They continue on, verse three, and so brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this diaconia. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. In other words, they had this food program going on. They had people fighting and arguing, and it became too much for the apostles to manage. So they said, we need some leaders. We need some servant leaders. We need some people who will get their hands in the dirt and help lead the ministry that was happening. Leaders are people who get their hands dirty, They're people who get their hands dirty, they're full of the Spirit, they're full of wisdom, and they take on responsibility. Catch the difference here in the pipeline. A servant serves the mission of the church, a leader serves the servants. A servant is saying, how can I serve the mission? How can I accomplish the mission? A leader is saying, how can I serve those who are serving? How can I equip? How can I encourage? How can I build up? How can I sow into those that, are, those that are serving? In fact, the value shift is I go from doing the work to serving the servants. If we wanna become leaders, we have to go from thinking I have to do it all to I want to serve those who are willing to do more work. Hebrews thirteen seven says, remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. One of the things I used to love to do many, many years ago is play basketball. I love playing. It's probably my favorite sport to play. I played baseball through into college, but I loved playing basketball. And so uh, I used to play noon ball. And if you know anything about noon ball, that is uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, it was at the Conroe YMCA, uh, we would have noon ball, and they would open up the floor, and we would run the floor, and I would play basketball with bankers and attorneys and executives, and look, I'm not hating on bankers and attorneys and executives or anything like that, but they, they just, there's a reason they're a banker, attorney, or executive, Right? They're just not big ballers. Right? And so I was younger than them. I was athletic and I would come in and I was a scorer when it came to noon ball. Right? I just got buckets all, all the time. I got buckets. I love playing noon ball. And then my schedule changed and I couldn't make noon ball anymore. I spent it every day in Huntsville. So I started playing at 430 and they called that after school ball. Yeah, you know where this is headed. Let me tell you the difference in after school ball and noon ball. In noon ball, they show up in suits and they change into basketball clothes. After school ball, they show up in sweats and they're ready to roll. And they're all taller, they're all younger, and they're all more athletic, right? So uh, I remember the first game I I was playing after school ball and uh, I I was on a team. It was me, a couple kids who played for Conroe High, one kid who played college basketball, and, and they were, we, were, we were just playing, playing ball, right? And, and so I got the ball. It was at the top of the key, and I, I remember this moment. It was one of those humiliating moments in sports, right? And I got the ball, and he's playing me to my left, right? You, you play defense. You're going to force them to their what you would think is their weak side, right? But I'm left-handed. So I'm like, oh, I always get the jump. First bucket, if you're guarding me at the top of the key, don't force me, don't force me left, because I love left, right? So I'm sitting there, and I've got the ball, and he's right here, and I just take a little, like I'm trying to get right to get him to cheat, and then a hard crossover, and I was headed to the basket, right? And I thought, oh, I just roasted this college kid. Here we go, and I'm going up for the layup. And the next thing I know, I'm laying face first on the floor. I hear the ball bounce off the backboard. This kid literally jumped over me, blocked my shot off the backboard, landed on top of me and I'm laying there and I turn to look up and and here's what was so humiliating about it. It was so bad that they didn't even celebrate. Like they were, oh, yeah, they were like, oh man, are you okay? Is everything okay? Could you, are you are you do we need to go get the are you are you and I'm like, get you little punks, you know like, get off of me. I'm I'm fine, I'm fine, right? And so I'll tell you what happened in after school ball. I had to learn to be a facilitator really quick. I had to learn to pass the ball. I had to learn to incorporate those around me. I had to become a little bit of a coach. I was the old guy on the floor. In fact, I became the preacher. They were like, oh man, and then you know what was really cool is they wanted the preacher on their team, not because of how much I scored, but because how many times I got them to a position to score, and I learned to facilitate. Here is the turn in the leadership pipeline. You go from trying to score to trying to equip others to score. You go to empowering others. You go to equipping others. You're saying, I want all of you to get buckets and I wanna do everything I can to help all of you get buckets. That's the turn in the leadership pipeline. You go from I'm gonna score to I'm gonna help you get some points on the board, okay? So that's leader. The third thing in the leadership pipeline is mentor. This is deceptively hard turn in the leadership pipeline. By the way, When it comes to leadership pipeline, this is not, you don't, you don't graduate from one, leave it, and move on to the other. You're going to find yourself in your growth, in your leadership. You always want to remain servant-hearted. You always want to have leadership and equipping and empowering and helping others around you get better, Uh, and you always want to be a mentor, and you always want to be reproducing, right? So it's not something you grow past and graduate from, but it's another tool in the tool belt, if you will, right? Like, okay, I've been a servant. Now I'm a leader, and next I want to become a mentor. Proverbs 9, verse 9. says, instruct the wise, and they will be even wiser. Teach the righteous, and they will learn even more. Proverbs 27, 17. says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Philippians 4, 9 says, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. We read this verse earlier, 2 Timothy 2.2, you have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Here is the mantra of the mentor. Paul nails it in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1. He says, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Jethro was a mentor to Moses. Moses was a mentor to Joshua. Elijah was a mentor to Elisha, Samuel was a mentor to Saul, Jesus was a mentor to 12, Paul was a mentor to Apollos, to Titus, to Silas, to Timothy, and on and on and on. When you look at moves and what God has done in them, you see that there is a a mentor that came along the way to encourage and empower them. Leaders serve the servants, mentors serve the leaders mentors leaders make ministry better mentors make people better that's the change right you you have a leader who's making ministry better or making business better or work better the office better and then you have mentors that are making those leaders better people one of the greatest things that i've added to my life has been mentors has been uncle wes has been Earnest has been these men that I've even introduced you to who are mentoring me, who are checking in on me, and they don't care about Sunday sermon, they don't care about church growth, they don't care about leadership development, they care about me, they're checking in on me, they're asking me questions, they're texting me invitations to go stay in a hotel room for a couple nights at a conference and just connect. And pray and be encouraged. When you have mentors behind the scenes that are pouring into you, you're equipped and healthy to do ministry. And here's the work of a mentor. This is really, really important. Uh, I'll give it to you. John 14, verse 12. It says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me, this is Jesus, will do the same works I have done and even greater works. Listen to what Jesus is saying. He's saying anyone who follows me is going to do what I'm doing, but then they're going to do even greater works. He goes on to say but when he leaves and gives us the Holy Spirit. In other words, Jesus' goal as our mentor was that we would do greater than he did. The job of a mentor is to make people better than you. It is not to keep people one step below you. Listen, if if you have a so-called mentor that will mentor you as long as you're not as good as them, you don't have a mentor, you have a suppressor. A mentor is saying, oh, you're gonna be way better than me. You're gonna, you are. I, had, I was texting a grandma a couple weeks ago, and I, I told her I loved her grandson. He's just a great kid. He reminds me of myself. In fact, I told her that. I said, he reminds me of me. And she texted me back and said, I hope he becomes like you. And I said, oh, my God, I hope he becomes way better than me. That's the job of a mentor is to say, who can I make better than me? There was a woman named Martha Wallace Richardson who wrote a biography on the life of Leonardo da Vinci. She said da Vinci started out as an unknown pupil under an old famous mentor, Andrea del Verrocchio. Cool name, right? Sounds like an artist to me. Because of his mentor's growing sickness due to age, he had to stop working on a magnificent piece of art he had started, so he insisted that his pupil, Leonardo da Vinci, finished the art. She writes, the young da Vinci had such reverence for his master's skill that he shrank from the task. Nonetheless, the old, man, old mentor, he would not accept an excuse from da Vinci, and instead he forced him to complete the painting. So Richardson continues, she said, Da Vinci at last, trembling, seized the brush, and kneeling before the easel, prayed, It is for the sake of my beloved master that I implore skill and power for this undertaking. As he proceeded, his hand grew steady. His eyes awoke with slumbering genius. He forgot himself and was filled with enthusiasm for his work. When the painting was finished, the old master was carried into the studio to pass judgment on the result. His eyes rested on a triumphant piece of art. Throwing his hands in the air, he looked at the young artist and exclaimed, My son, I paint no more what a mentor does. A mentor takes you to a place where you exceed them. A ment- If you've been a leader in here for a while, your next step is to find somebody to sow into to make them better than you, to make your ceiling their floor, to say, hey, uh, I have noticed incredible potential in you. I see God doing a great work in you, and however I can serve you and however I can help you, I'm in, but I want to see you do far better than me. That is part of where I'm at in the leadership pipeline right now, is, is embracing being a mentor. It made me feel old at first. Then I just, I just went with it, right? Um, but I, at least once a week, I meet with a college student. Random, at times, coffee, whatever. Two o'clock coffee's my jam. If you, if you were around at two o'clock, And you want a cup of coffee, we're having two o'clock coffee. And, And I try to, as much as I can, however I can, just make a college student better than me. That's not hard, right? That's pretty easy. I can tell you exactly how I screwed it up and how you can succeed and make it better. But that is what we do as part of the kingdom is we mentor people. And then we finish here with Reproducer. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Matthew thirteen, twenty three. It says the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60 or even 100 times as much as has been planted. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. While a mentor invests in a few, a reproducer is after everybody. A reproducer says, a a reproducer, here's the value shift. The value shift is I'm no longer in a pipeline, I am called to fill the pipeline. Reproducer saying, who can I reach? Who can I disciple? Who can I mentor? Who can I pour into? Who can I invite into servanthood? Who can I invite into leadership? Who can I invite into mentorship? And how can I start over again, over again, over again? A reproducer just replaces themselves over and over and over, constantly inviting people into the pipeline. I, I have a friend who... Um, awesome testimony, got radically saved. He worked a super high, intense job in oil and gas. He found drugs as a place to relieve that stress. So he started using pills, and he would pop pills to make it through the day. And all of a sudden, gets radically saved. After he's radically saved, he detoxes. After he detoxes, he just came and sat in church for years, just sitting in church for years. And then something happened, and I mean... He just caught fire, and all of a sudden he's inviting people from work to church, and they're starting to experience life change, and their marriages are getting strengthened. He took me one time on like an eight-hour drive to South Texas to go to a rig to just talk with one of the company men who is starting to contemplate, you know, becoming a person of faith. And so I, I'm like totally out of my element on an oil rig, witnessing to a company man inside of this trailer out in the middle of nowhere because my friend caught fire. And I looked at him and I said to him, we were driving back. I said, man, what has happened to you? You have caught fire. And here's what he said to me. He said, oh yeah. He said, I just realized I could do your job better than you in the oil field. (laughs) I said, of course you can. I mean, of course. You can do it so much better than I can. They would laugh me out of this place if I showed up in skinny britches on an oil rig, right? Like, you can do it, and I think that's the thing we all have to understand is, A pastor or a church leader or a worship pastor or somebody who's been here for a while are not the only people called to be reproducers. We are all called as the body of Christ to be reproducers, to be reproducing ourselves, to be inviting people into servanthood, to be encouraging people into leadership, to be mentoring people to become better people and reaching everyone that we can to join the pipeline together. So we as a church, and you will see much more of this. Discipleship pathway is what we do. Leadership pipeline is who we become.